This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good Thursday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Wendy Ying from Sarasota, Florida. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network, episode 2633 for March 4th, 2021. This episode is brought to you by the American Driving Society. Good morning, Horse World. Well, welcome everybody to the monthly driving episode. We do it on the first Thursday of every month with my old friend and good buddy, Dr. Wendy Ying. She, yes, she is a animal doctor and not a people doctor. Uh, you don't want her <laughs> nope. operating on you. Probably not would be the best <laughs> idea. But she will take care of your no. horses and your puppies. She will take care of both of them. Well, Wendy, uh, we have a big show planned. What's coming up on today's show? Yes, we have Welsh pony breeder Paul May, and he started his little son Ashton driving pairs at a very early age. Oh, and I'm going to post now, a picture Ash- in our show notes. He is so cute. He is so cute. And now he's a big six years old, and he's driving singles at CDEs, if wow. you can believe that. He's a professional carriage driver now. So Yes, yeah. he's professional. So Paul's <laughs> going to talk about how he got um, Ashton started and how he wants to help other kids get started driving. Uh, we also have Kathleen Hake with her Carriages 101 segment. And then do you need a reason besides weather to come to Florida? How about the annual Llama Conference in Crystal River, Florida? You can swim with manatees and learn how to spin fiber. And we also have Kitty Cadwell of Tremont Farm, and she's going to talk about driving pairs. So listen in. Very good, but we always get started with Dr. Wendy Yang's product feature. She is a traditional Chinese medicine specialist, has a master's degree in that, as, along with her doctorate. She's well-educated. She's the smart one of the group. Um, so <laughs> what are we talking about today? Well, last month we talked about Equine Duho, which is our arthritis formula for horses. And um, that formula, you know, we talk about the yin and the yang, Right. So the yang deficiencies like your furnace is broken. So you're always cold. And it's like horses that don't do well in the winter. They're stiff and they get like a cold-backed horse, right? Well, DGP is our formula for a yin deficiency arthritis. So a yin deficiency is when your air conditioner is broken and you're always hot. That'd be my wife. So She needs this. Right. right, Like um, menopause in women is is a yin deficiency. That's why we have hot flashes or like, um, you know, older dogs, like remember glory when she was getting a little older, she's panting all the time. She's always hot. Right. Yep. That's a yin deficiency. Also like we live in Florida. It's always hot here. So I very rarely, unless it's a very old or a very sick animal, I very rarely see a young deficiency. So the formula that we use for the yin deficiency arthritis is called DGP. And that has some of the same herbs as the Duho for pain relief, um, but it also has some cooling herbs. So we're going to get more into the science of how these herbs work in the TCVM segment. 
All right, let's get started the show as we usually do with Kathleen Hake of the Carriage Association of America. And apparently today she's talking about hot guys on TV shows. That's what I understood. <laughs> oh, from good. That. Finally. <laughs> well, Great we're topic. Talk about hot guys. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Bridgerton has been very popular. Jamie loves it. And every uh, every woman apparently with blood thinks the Duke is absolutely wonderful. I, Wendy and I have not watched it. Wendy can't watch anything with character development. There just has to be action from <laughs> beginning to end and no character. I get character. bored. I yeah, get bored of this. Actually, if there's no about. characters at all in the movie, she's happier. Um, so, so Kathleen, uh, tell us why we're talking about the topic we're talking about today. So they're all set in the Regency period. And we are going to be talking about Count Alfred D'Orsay, who was the most dashing man going. So he was hot country. like the Duke in the series, apparently. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. He was hot and he was an artist and he had a little bit of money at one point. Oh, well, so, that has quite, everything quite a woman wants right there. Yes, yes. Except that his wife really didn't want him and he married uh, Lady Harriet Gardner. She was 15. Oh. He was in his 20s. Of course. And she happened to be the daughter of Lord Blessington by his previous wife. And Dorsey happened to have an affair with his current wife. Oh, good. Well, <laughs> so, it kept it in the family. Margaret. Yeah, that was good. I'm liking this. I like character <laughs> development like this. Yes, yes. They, there was, there was, uh, he divorced his, uh, his wife, and, and uh, then after... Lord Blessington died in 1829. The Countess came and accompanied D'Arcy wherever he went Ooh. and funded his um, art. What did uh, her husband think of that? Well, there is some <laughs> speculation that Charles may have been in the middle of that. Uh, there is possibility that the wife wasn't involved and that it was just between Charles and D'Arcy, but oh. uh, there's not concrete evidence of that. Well, we're not here to judge. <laughs> no, we're not judging, and we don't really know. But, so we'll just move on. But um, it, it was it was quite the um, affair in, in multiple words uh, ways of meaning that word, and uh, so that was he became a scandal at one point in time. Can However, I ask a question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I don't want to hear real it. Story? La 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 la. It is the TV or just a TV movie? It is a real story. Oh, okay. okay. And. Um, so we'll, we'll back up just a little bit to give you an idea of who Alfred is. Um, he was born in Paris in ni- excuse me, 1801, and he was the second son of uh, Camille d'Orsay, who was a Bonaparte general, uh, so Napoleon Bonaparte. And his mother was Baroness uh, Eleanor, who was the illegitimate daughter of, the, of a duke. And an Italian lady. So it's the whole, uh, the, there was a lot of scandal involved there, yeah, I guess. this sounds yes. good. <laughs> <laughs> and we think it's bad today. This is I because this is, this is pre-social media, so they could get away with it. That's true. Yeah. Marrying it, 15-year-olds. They'd be canceled it, right now. <laughs> exactly. And he would bounce back and forth between London and, and Italy and then bounce over to France. And, and so he just kind of kept in front of his creditors, and scandal. (laughs) But in doing so, he was considered quite dashing. And he was quite the social butterfly. And everybody just kind of wanted to be him. And he set a lot of trends. And, you know, he hung out with Lord Byron. 
He was um, in quite a few different books. Charles Dickinson actually named one of his sons after him. It, so he was just someone that men of young fashion uh, who happened to be in the arts really appreciated and, and such. In the process of becoming this man about town, he was had an eye for carriages. First, it was the curricle. The curricle actually came around about 1800. It is a two-wheel vehicle. It has a pole that goes between the two horses. So it's actually hooked up like a four-wheel vehicle to a certain extent, except that the horses pull very much from their back. There's a, um, a steel bar that goes across the pads on the horse's back, and that supports the weight of the pole there. And we don't see those very often anymore. They sometimes have some balance issues. And he was also a fan of the Cabriolet, which, Wendy, I, I believe that you like those as well, don't you? I love those. I think they're so fancy and cool. They it seems are. So like and swoopy and fabulous. They have C-springs on the back, so there's this big sweeping spring that you see. Mm -hmm. And then on the front where you get into the carriage, usually the uh, step that helps you into the carriage is very ornate. And they are put to horses that are extremely fancy. And they also come with tigers. Do you know what tigers. the tiger is? No, what's a tiger? Yeah, so they're small little tigers. And they are young men that were dressed in striped waistcoats, which is how they got the stripes, were, were how they got tiger. And they, the smaller they were like tiger, servants while you're in the car? Yes. Yes, oh my God, I definitely need, I need one of those. No wonder <laughs> I love that. And, and usually they're under the age of 10. I mean, these were very, very small. Talk about um, child children. labor laws. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I like them a little bit older than that. Yeah. <laughs> she wants them at least yeah. 18. Can you make them 18, please? <laughs> so there was a small padded platform for the tiger. Anybody um, that says things haven't gotten more civilized since back in that day. <laughs> <laughs> Let's also keep in mind they didn't have running water and bathrooms either. So there's that. Uh, absolutely. And the streets smelled like, you know what, all the time. You know, it's so funny. They don't show that in Bridgerton, do they? <laughs> not at the age, no. No, there's no, no. I don't think there's any. Um, there's a lot of outdoor scenes, but I, I don't believe there's any real horse maneuver involved. No. <laughs> <laughs> so they really wanted what we would consider a high-stepping horse. And so you would have this little tiny kid out front. And um, he was supposed to be of good courage and very self-possessed. And he would be, you know, next to this big horse, strapping horse. And it made quite the presentation. And it was something that everybody that wanted to be seen in Hyde Park um, or in the fashionable squares and streets of West End during the London season would have had. Um and so that was something that uh, both of those vehicles were encouraged and supported by um, Count D'Orsey. In fact, he liked them very well. He was hanging out with Lord Brougham, who, of course, uh, had the Brougham created for himself. And so he was like, hmm, I think that I should have my own type of vehicle. And so he decided to create um, the D'Orsey. Now, the thing that's really interesting about this is that there's really only two things that set them apart from 
from everybody else. One is they have eight springs, which is a combination yeah. of sea and Olympic springs. Yeah. So it had to be a good ride. Right. And so that's a, that's a lot of spring. And then they pretty much all have a perch or a reach, which is the um, piece of wood or metal that runs from the back axle to the front axle. So that supported this vehicle um, because of the sea springs, it's up in the air quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this, this um, perch kept everything together. And in a lot of cases, they were swan or crane neck perches, which oh, are nice. beautiful, sweeping. And everything about these vehicles that DRC liked was sweeping. And some of them had S-curves in them and, and just really elegant. And so, were know, they open or they were closed? Were they? I assume they were closed. He had to hide his mistress someplace. Um. I don't think he really cared about hiding her, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, they are typically closed. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, they, they had like yeah. a compartment that sat on. Yes, yeah. and in most cases, there there are two into. Or excuse me, there is just room for two people inside. So there are several different. <laughs> Yes. You didn't want more than two in there. That way we don't have to have an argument. Yeah, no family, exactly. other family members. That's right. Yeah. We didn't need two wives fighting each other. No. <laughs> and one of the cute, really cool things about this DRC is that it evolved over time. And they stayed around. Brewster, who is one of the most famous carriage makers in America, made them. Um, and, they, and they were very popular. They were in uh, lots of different cities in Europe. Very, very common. Not common. Common is the wrong word. Upscale common. Uh, if you, there's several of them in different royal um, collections throughout the world. So there's there's really a few different ones. Um, one is the brome, which looks much. It's a brome DRC, sometimes called an eight spring brome. And the biggest difference between them is that bromes don't typically have a perch, and that typically the the bottom of the door is pretty square. And with a DRC, just like before, it's very flowing and it's rounded at the bottom often. If not actually rounded at the bottom, then the cur- uh, where it would normally square off is rounded. Um, the coupe DRC is somewhat like a coach. We kind of picture a coach um, we're used to seeing those in Regencies and, and they're kind of lumbering things, but quite four people can sit in them. And... A coupe is a lighter version of that. It's smaller, it's lighter, typically two people. And this is a word that has evolved over time. So a chariot is a type of coupe. So if you see it early on, they're probably talking about a coupe DRC. And then later on, you'll hear it called a chariot DRC. And um, so that chariots are usually 18th, 19th century um, phrasing. And then we also have the Berlin, um, which... If you see it in Europe, it's typically spelled with an E on the end. But if you see it in America, we spell it like Berlin, uh, like the city. And that has room for four people in it. But that's the only one with four, room for four. So it's really interesting. This is probably over about a 60, 70-year period that you see these four types of vehicles evolve. And uh, it's one of the few that you can truly see that and how... Um, this vehicle that say, stayed the same name really evolved and changed. And this is ju- these examples that I'm giving you are just within like Brewster. And um, 
So you go overseas and you find a little bit different terminology. Mainly, they all mean the same thing. They're just spelled differently. Do we have any idea um, what these cost at the time? Do you know? Um, actually, I have a Brewster record right here, but it doesn't actually say they were they were relatively expensive for their I time. They must have been, yeah. Yes, um, partially because they were really fancy. So in um, Brewster made an eight spring brome for the Chicago Expo. So this is a little bit later. Um, the mountings are, and this is also a really richly done one. The mountings are all done in silver. The body is very, very elegantly done. Um, the insides, uh, this is, so also there are winter and summer vehicles. This oh, is a of course. Summer, yeah. This is a summer vehicle because it has satin in it um, for the trim. It has lace. And uh, it also has a mirror box. And the window frames are uh, a blue plush. So that's, I mean, it was very, very luxurious. Um, if it was a winter vehicle, it would have had wool in it. Uh, same color scheme in, in general, but um, it would have been wool fabric. So and a little fireplace. It's kind of an interesting thing. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure it had a matching, uh, you know, little thing to keep you warm there. A little warmer. Yeah, yeah. They did used to do that, didn't they? They took coals and put it this contraption that was went under the seat in a lot of carriages. They did. Yeah. And they actually just, um, one of the British, or excuse me, not the British, uh, I think it's the German uh, carriage driving magazine just did a story on foot warmers in their countries. They are very different from what we have here. They're much more made of metal and, and that type of thing, whereas here we see a lot of stoneware um, and their boxes are over there. So it would have been an interesting thing to see. Uh, but it, very luxurious, uh, lots of silver and gold type of things, um, and, and turned out to very, very nice horses to be seen. And, and that was the idea. Of course, we didn't want to be seen with the mistress, so it is closed in. But um, <laughs> Was there a spot under the seat to hide her if it really got bad? Just <laughs> well, you know, um, some of them do have a, a bouge on the back. Um, which is where you can put your um, either valuables because it would be really hard to get at, or your um, sword case, your guns, yeah. that type of thing. Because they did yeah. have reporters back then; they just didn't have they didn't have social media. I mean, but and, oh, and the cameras weren't as good back in that day. Yes. Yeah. Well, you had to draw really fast <laughs> yeah, while right. you're driving by. <laughs> I will put a picture yeah. of one of these in our show notes so everybody can see it. That's fascinating. You you are like the super geek of carriages, like a nerd. You're you're a nerd <laughs> category. Yeah. To to be fair, I did not even know these existed three weeks ago, and well, I see had the somebody Duke call. got you motivated. Yes, I know. It was the same time we were talking about that on the uh, um, <laughs> Facebook on social media, and uh, we had a um, member, CAA member, call and asked me if I could find some Dior records for him. Which is one of the things that we do here. We do have the Brewster Records, which is one of the most complete set of carriage records in the world. We're very fortunate to have those. Also, uh, tell, give the website for the Carriage Association, and I want to ask you about something else. Our website is caaonline.com, and you can also find us on Facebook at Carriage Association of America. You have another event coming up too, right, that people can attend? I do. Um, so on my copious amounts of spare time, 
I also play in the SEA, which is um, kind of medieval type games and things like that. We have approximately 60 drivers. And so uh, once again, this year, I am hosting a medieval carriage symposium. This year, though, we are virtual. And so if you are interested in that, you can just uh, let me know. And I would be happy to get you the link for that. Um, we're going through the Royal University of the Mid-Realm, which is called RUM. And we have four speakers. Uh, we have, or excuse me, five speakers, including myself. Um, we have on travel, uh, travel wagons that women would have been in. Uh, we have one on looking at art uh, to see whether these carriages are correctly proportioned and that type of thing. I am doing one on sleighs, sledges, sleighs, and sleds. And then I have a gentleman coming who uh, is very knowledgeable about oxen. And he's going to share with us some information. Oh my God, um, we have to get that guy on this show. I've been <laughs> trying to get an oxen person on this show for years. Um, he used to work at Colonial Williamsburg. He just made a change, but I can definitely uh, make the connection for you. Oh, right. cool. Yeah, that'd be great. We're talking about llamas later in the show, driving llamas. Oh, so, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, so goats, uh, goats and oxen. How do they find out or get a hold of you about it? Where do they go? Um, the, you can find me on social media at Kathleen Hake, H-A-A-K. And uh, the other way you can find it is by looking on Facebook at the Royal University of the Mid-Realm. Well, we have our good friend, Paul May, of May Show Ponies back on the show again. And uh, we heard, Paul, through the grapevine that the ADS has a new rule just for your little son, Ashton. Uh, so welcome to the show, and why don't you tell us about your little baby? Hi, guys. Nice to be back on the show. Um, yeah, well, Ashton started driving at the tender age of four. Um, <laughs> obviously, he was brought up with it from day one, right. with, with me driving every day. Um, and he, he was always interested in the ponies when he was little, but never really was interested in riding. And oh, he, he was coming out with no, not really. No, like my my older son Ethan rode, you know, and carried on all the way through. He's still now he's a pro, age twenty. Right. So, but Ashton sort of wanted to pick up the reins and try it out for himself one day, and then just carried on from there. We got him a, a mini. Oh, you started with and, a mini. That's cute. Yeah, he started off with a little tiny mini, so that's thirty-two inches. Yeah, and we uh, her name was Misty, so we renamed her Misty after Misty Wrigley. Oh, that's cute. And uh, he drove her for about a year. Did his first competition in Grand Oaks. Yeah. Um, did a driving derby down there when he was four. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, and that they were very gracious and allowed him to compete and go around the derby course, which he enjoyed. And that was well, it. He was bitten by the You were in the, the carriage, though. You were in the carriage with him, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, like, yeah. was there rules with the ADS that of a certain age of child that could drive at that time? No, not really. The, the, well, the, there was a, a rule saying that the kids had to be 10 years old. Oh, I see. To, to yeah. drive. But that's been changed now. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah, because 10 years old, you think, I mean, there's kids that start riding as little tiny babies, so yeah, as long I as mean, parents know, in the carriage. Yeah, I mean, th there are five-year-old kids jumping around pony finals yeah. you know, on, on their own. 
Yeah. Did you, um, you know, you're a longtime trainer and I know trainers sometimes struggle with teaching people like, you know, that people say, oh, I can never remember my cones course or blah, blah, blah. How was that with, with a little four-year-old? I mean, how did you, was that difficult for him? Well, to st- you know, obviously to start off with, it's, it's a lot of uh, navigating on my part. Yeah. But, but now he's reached the, the grand old age of six. <laughs> he can act. He can actually pretty much remember a cones course and navigate it himself. At six? At six, yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, that makes me I, feel I, inadequate I mean, at you 50. You should go. Oh. <laughs> tell, yeah, tell me about it. I have, to, I have to walk it like six times. He walks it once, maybe twice, and then he said, that's it. I'm, I'm done, Dad. I'm, I don't need to look at it again. Oh, that's just you know, disgusting, be to like be honest. Sports. You know, no, it must be like sports because I used to, I grew up ski racing, and I don't even remember the first time I ski raced. Like my parents took me to the top of the hill, and you just ski down. And when I got to be a teenager, I was on the high school ski team, and they wanted us to walk the course. I'm like, why? Like, why do you need to walk it? Like, I didn't understand why, but you know. I think if you come to it as an adult, you really need, but when you're a little kid, they're learning so much stuff, like their brain's still developing. So he has this like yeah, exactly. superpower. Yeah. <laughs> and he, I, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure he's got a photographic memory. Oh, that's great. Cause, it, cause he can, he can remember the hazards now as well, pretty well. And, um, like, so you started with this little mini and then what did you do next? Did he, did he stay? Yeah, we, we, started, we started with the mini and, and he sort of outgrew her a little bit at age five. <laughs> and um, so we started looking around for a bigger pony for him. Right. And um, Randy and Keedy Cadwell contacted me and said that they had the perfect pair of ponies for Ashton. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we ended up getting Frosty and Sunday, the uh, black and white pair of ponies from randy and keedy oh, and um they and they were very gracious they supplied us with a carriage and the ponies and off he went and he started oh, driving wow. a pair and just loved it and what kind of ponies are they are they welsh well one's a welsh and one was a shetland cross they were very, very small like 10 10 hands 10 2 mm-hmm. oh that's a great size so so that he really progressed driving them um for about 18 months and competed with them, did a lot of derbies with them and rallies mm-hmm. and oh, did a few fun. shows. He, he did Southern Pines with them. He took did he do the to, dressage uh, phase too? He did dressage yeah, also? Yeah. What does he yeah, think he of dressage? dressage? Did he like dressage? How do you remember he that test? No, no, no. Who likes dressage? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, he hates dressage. Oh, I love this but, kid already. But he realizes that he has to do it to yeah. be able to do the fun stuff. What so, did he uh, think of yeah, going he, to pairs from singles? Did you, did he, you think that was harder or easier? Um, for him, it seemed to be easier. Yeah. He actually, yeah, he picked it up really quick. And um, then we had another pony that he's driving single now. And <laughs> we just got her, Jetta. And... Um, I said, oh, we'll, we'll, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll put them together in a unicorn. Oh, fun. So we'll, we'll, put her, we'll put her in the front and, drove, yeah. and the, the, boy, the little boys were in the wheel. And he right. just drove them like he, he'd driven it a hundred times before. He did? He drove a unicorn yeah. like nothing? Yeah. 
Yeah, before reins. Yeah, didn't even think about it. Did you buckle the reins, or you just you did it with? Yeah, a I buckled. Yeah, no, he oh. buckled them. So you know, you being so like you know, Mister Fancy Horse, I thought you might just send them out. You know, you being English, I thought you might be a purist, but I think buckling no. is the way to go for little kids. Yeah, yeah, they've got to have fun. Yeah. Yeah, That's so, so he, he, he picked that up quick. Um, he did Garden State last fall and did yeah. it as, as an exhibition and uh, drove, drove all three phases, double, uh, double clearing cones. Oh, my gosh. Um, it, they, we, he drove as an exhibition. He couldn't drive it as a comp, in, in the competition at that point. Yeah, because um, of the rules? With the rule, the, well, it was yeah. a Yousef show. Oh, I see, I see. So he did it as an exhibition and did the marathon and um, was only going to do four hazards and then we were going to pull out. Yeah. But he, he did four and he said, oh, no, I want to finish. So he did all six. And that was with a single? No, that was with the pair. That was the last oh, show we did pair. with a pair. Yeah. That's great. I think that's really, yeah. I think that's really good. Like, I can't believe that at six, he has the wherewithal to do that. No, I, I can't either. A lot of people don't don't understand until they actually see it. Mm-hmm. A, lo- a lot of people think I'm on the back pulling the reins and he's just sitting there. Right. But he's but, doing you it. Know, he's, a- he's actually doing it himself and he understands the outside rain. He understands circles and bending. Well, and growing <laughs> up with ponies too, like his whole life, you know, being in a family yeah. that, I mean, you have a lot of ponies that are born there on the farm and he grows up with foals and he must, you know, yeah. that kind of lifestyle also must make him a really, he must really understand horses a lot too. Yeah. 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 He does. And he, and he enjoys it, you know, mm-hmm. but we, but we, we're doing the same with Ashton as we did with Ethan. Like we didn't, we've never pushed him to do anything. If he doesn't want to do it, he doesn't do it. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, good. I've got to enjoy it. And, um, uh, so this is so inspiring for other people that have kids. If they want to get their kids into driving, you're never too young to start. Right. But like, how do people like, how, how, do you have any advice for people getting started with their own kids? Yeah. Um, seek out, a a, uh, professional near where you live <laughs> right? and go and ask them to be, a, be a mentor for your kid. Yeah. And I've, tr- and I've really tried to push that with my friends that are professionals to try and take kids under their wing and Mm -hmm. get more juniors involved in the sport. Yeah. And we started, um, we started a program the year before last called evolution driving, which is a a junior driving program that we started here at the farm in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And we had a couple of free clinics for kids to get them started off, give them an idea. Uh, the first one we had, we had 16 kids here for for a day. And, and they don't they have to bring to anything. They they You nope. have ponies in the carriages and everything. Yeah. They just come. Yeah, we have ponies, carriages. They all got to drive. They all got to actually, uh, you know, harness horses up, yeah. understand how, how it's meant to fit, what it does. Yeah. And everyone got to drive on the on the team of horses at the end of the day, too. Oh, so that's they all had a lot. They all had a lot of fun. Yeah. They got and to drive then, your foreign um, hand, you mean? They got to drive your foreign yeah. hand of horses? Yeah. Oh, wow, what a treat. That really is going to hook them in. Yeah, that's the, that was the idea. 
their parents are probably not happy about it. Them driving four and a half. So I, I figured, you know, if one or two kids out of those 16 maybe take an interest and carry on, mm-hmm. then that then that was my goal. And actually, two kids within the within a week after that clinic bought their own ponies. Oh, that's great. Which is great. You know, so also, then, I think that's really important that you do this camp. Like, you're a pony breeder. Right. You have a million ponies at the farm, but even you still need like the help of your friends to find a suitable pony for your kid. Because like maybe what we have at the farm, like maybe what you have right now isn't suitable for your kid. But here you borrowed some ponies. And isn't that how we all got started like riding too? you know, like. Yeah, exactly. We all have to help each other out because these ponies are like little gems, but you outgrow them so fast. So they can teach so many people to drive. Yeah. And then, you know, we need to be able to pass them along to the next kids Mm -hmm. to get them started off. And then we, last year we, we, um, my idea was to have a a summer camp for kids for a week in July. Mm -hmm. And it was all set up. I had it completely sponsored. Each kid was sponsored by, um, some individuals, some farms, right. all donate, donated $500 for the kids to come for the week. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, 10 kids covered for sponsorship through friends and, um, and clients of mine Yeah, to come for the week. And of course, then we had to cancel it, of course, because of COVID. Oh, yeah. That's so we're, we're, we're going to pick that up again. Um, maybe the end, the end of this summer, we'll have to see, see how mm-hmm. things go with the, you know, see how things open up. If not, it'll definitely be next year, but we'll certainly be having some more clinics at the farm. Well, Paul, I'm looking at a picture. And, um, I'm looking at some pictures of, uh, of the little one driving and oh my God, it's so cute. I'll post that in our show notes as well. So you can see it. Great. Thanks. So and Paul, cute. how can people find you? Uh, like, how can they, do you have a farm website? Yeah, they can follow follow me on Paul Paul May Carries Driving, mm-hmm. and we have a we also have an Evolution Driving uh, Facebook page as well for the kids. Oh, great! And and if anyone uh, is interested in this camp, not only is it going to be fun for driving, but Paul, you live in like one of the most beautiful places on earth, especially in the summertime, right? Where tell us about your farm. Yeah, we're we're lucky enough to live in the the bottom of the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, in the mountains. It's very beautiful. Hasn't been very beautiful this winter with the snow and the bad weather. <laughs> as you said, in the summer when the weather's good, it's uh, it's quite amazing. Yeah. So we're surrounded we're surrounded by mountains, uh, Appalachians on one side and the Blue Ridge on the other side. Yeah, and it's a beautiful area, and you're right close to the. Virginia Horse Park too. So yeah, yeah, we're six awesome. six miles from the Virginia Horse Park. That is a well, beautiful thanks. area for sure. I know. I might have to come visit you at camp. <laughs> you should. Well, actually, you know, when I advertised it, we it filled pretty quick for the kids, but then all the adults wanted to have one as well. Yeah. So we we actually scheduled the following week for an adult camp. Oh, you did. <laughs> Yeah, yep, yeah. Okay. And do you get to do tandem and forehand at the adult camp? <laughs> yeah, we would, yep. <laughs> Everything. 
Yeah. That sounds great. Well, Paul, thanks so, so much what, for joining us. We're so excited that you're you're uh, that your kids are doing great, and and thank you so much for helping other kids learn about driving. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the the coverage. This show is sponsored by the American Driving Society, and one of the benefits of being an American Driving Society member is you get the whip, and the newest whip just came in. What's in it, Wendy? Oh, it has all kinds of fun things in it. By the way, we should explain uh, what the whip you... is. It's an actual physical oh, magazine you get in the mail. Yeah, it's really it's made out of paper. With color pictures and, and everything. Yeah, and actually, I do love the whip. The whip has usually has like fantastic covers. On this month's cover, we have Paul Zietzer of Yankee Creek Carriage Company driving these two beautiful black. I don't know if they're Percherons or Shires, but they're totally adorable. Glenn, you'd love it. <laughs> um, and then also they go over all the different programs in the ADS. If any of you went to the virtual meeting that they had, the annual meeting, they gave away some of the awards. So congratulations to Tracy Morgan for being awarded the President's Award and to Dottie Paul of Aiken, South Carolina for Volunteer of the Year. Anybody that's done any showing on the East Coast knows that Dottie Paul is like, she deserves a Volunteer of the Year. She is like the happiest, most helpful person that you'll ever encounter at a show. Um, it also goes over the uh, hours to drive winners. And the big winner this year with 1,500 hours to drive Whoa. is Ray Mansur. Wow, that's a lot I of know. hours in one year. I know. And he has um, Hofflingers. He and his wife have Hofflingers. Oh, okay. Uh, and Dan Rosenthal also got his 1,500 hours to drive. So our president even, he's not just doing all the work for the society, but he's also driving his Dartmoor ponies. So congratulations, guys. And I just looked at the Wix uh, cover. They are Percherons. They're Percherons. Yeah. We you drove, know, you um, drove, you drove them in our competition years ago. I know. Where you so beat fun. all of us. We, we, uh, for those new listeners, we were invited to go to the World Percheron Congress in Massachusetts, right? Yeah. Was yeah, that, Massachusetts. Yeah, and we went up there and to the Big E, and they had a celebrity driving competition, and Wendy beat us all. <laughs> you beat Doctor Paul. I know that wasn't. It wasn't fair. It wasn't fair. I should have. I should have abstained. Yeah, I, I came in second or third. Doctor Paul, I beat Doctor Paul too. I think I came in. Did I come in yeah, second or third? You know why I won? Not only did I win because I'm like the only one of that group that even drives pair, <laughs> but I also cheated because. I know how driving horses are, and we're in this huge stadium, and it's really loud. So your horses, like, tune out everybody except for the driver. So I told the little Amish kid sitting next to me, I'm like, okay, I'm going to steer. And when I when they say go, you tell them to go as fast as they can go. So I, I didn't make you, you, you cheated. I totally cheated. Well, I don't really <laughs> consider it cheating. I consider it Using all driving. the tools at your disposal. <laughs> Yeah, like he yeah, like he's my little tiger, you see? Like that. I kind of did the course. I may have knocked a few <laughs> things over um to get to the end, but my time wasn't bad. I just may have taken some shortcuts on my round. Well, you might have. But it, it was is, fun. Do you remember we we I don't know if you were along. Were you along when the eight in hand picked us up and drove us out? Yes, that oh was the best. Oh, my God. <laughs> Talk about power. There were eight Percherons in front of us. We were up there on the big beer wagon. And, oh, my God, that is incredible. You had to go you're... through the skinny doorway. Oh, <laughs> it is incredible, wasn't it? That was fun. 
That was fun. That was fun. But, you know, to get back to the ADS yeah. whip, I have one more thing to tell you. Yeah, okay. The thing I really like about the whip, it has a lot of educational um, articles every month. So this month has a great article about fitting harness to your horse because that's always a big challenge when you get started. So there's a great article about that. And then all the regional clubs, you know, uh, for us in Florida – we're pretty lucky to be like out and about all winter, but for the most of the country, you know, springtime is when you get out to go do stuff with your horse. So all the regional clubs have like information about what they're doing and uh, you can really find a lot of great information in here. So it's totally worth it to join the ADS. Very good. Now it's time for the traditional Chinese medicine segment. Cue the music. Uh, we're talking about our DGUP formula. So like I said earlier, this is our formula for yin deficiency arthritis. That means your air conditioner is broken, you're getting too hot, right? So it can be like uh, like old dogs that pant a lot and they can't get comfortable or horses that uh, the arthritis seems to be worse in the summertime or horses that also, like, not only do they have arthritis, but they have, like, a itchy skin. Like, just a lot of an inflammatory process going on. Because we know with inflammation, there's always an element of heat involved. Whereas arthritis, the young deficiency arthritis that we talked about last month, is like chronic arthritis, and they're always cold. So, um some of the herbs that we're going to talk about in this formula is, is the title of the formula is called DUP, and that stands for the main herb in here. And DUP is the root bark of the goji berry plant. So goji berries we use quite often in formulas like um, for our tendon and ligament formula and for other formulas to tonify the chi, like the berry itself, because it's high in vitamin C, has a lot of antioxidants. But in this formula, the root bark is the uh, number one ingredient. And root barks tend to be uh, what we call astringent and bitter. And that bitter flavor is um, an indication like that, that the that the chemicals involved are alkaloids and uh, um, alkaloids are great at reducing inflammation. So some of the alkaloid, um, some of the, of the root barks that you might be familiar with, but might not even know is like aspirin, right? So Glenn, you've taken aspirin before, right? Mm -hmm. You believe the yep. aspirin works. Right. So aspirin is actually made from salicylic acid, which is a derivative of the willow tree bark. So that's how they first invented aspirin. They, they, they found a compound in willow tree bark and they made it into aspirin. But before we had like pharmaceutical companies that made that, people would take willow tree bark and either make a tea out of it or they would um, grind it into a powder. So we use the, the goji berry bark in the same way hmm. as we would use willow bark. So it's, it helps like as an, uh, like a, it blocks the same pathway that we're blocking with what we call NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. So that's the main, uh, the main herb there. 
Another interesting herb we have in here is the root, is the Chinese foxglove root. And this root, it kind of looks like ginger, it's real fleshy. And we know in, um, in Western medicine, the, the foxglove uh, is, has a lot of alkaloids in it too. The medicine digitalis that we use for heart issues is derived from the foxglove plant. So this Chinese foxglove, the root of this is called the longevity herb. And that's because it supposedly reduces the effects of aging. So like a lot of things say, oh, reduces the effects of aging, right? Like uh, oil of Olay reduces the effects of aging. But what does that mean? So the, we say it reduces the effects of aging because I always look at it like your collagen as you get older starts to break down, right? You have collagen in your skin. And when your collagen starts to break down, you get wrinkles, Mm -hmm. your bones kind of get fragile, and your tendons get a little stiff. So the longevity herb means it keeps you stronger and younger looking. So uh, the way that this Chinese foxglove root works is it stimulates these, your, the, the cells that build what you, what we call your extracellular matrix. Okay. That's like all your body parts, like all the different, uh, materials that make up your body. Right. So, so like your skeleton, we think of bones as being like, Oh, well, this is my, this is, these are, this is my skeleton. It doesn't change, but that's actually not true. Your, your skeleton is always in a, delicate balance of being broken down and then being rebuilt. That's how you can break your arm and, and your body can fix the broken bone, right? Right. Your bone doesn't just stay broken forever. So it's this delicate balance that, that is controlled by hormones and also influenced by your dietary calcium. And this is um, the osteoclasts are little cells that break down your bones. Like imagine little like Pac-Man eating your cartilage and your bones and your fluid. And then your osteoblasts come back and repair it. Okay. And that's how you grow. Like if your bones couldn't do that, then you couldn't go from like baby size to grown up size. Um, And so a good way to think about that is like if that's out of balance, like women when they get older, they lack estrogen, so the osteoclasts start to take over, and the osteoblasts don't work as well. The osteoblasts don't fix your collagen, so you start to look older, and your bones get brittle, okay? So we want to do something to restore this balance. And the way you can look at that is uh, in equine medicine, I'm sure lots of people have used osphos or children for their horses, and this herb, the Shendi Wong, has characteristics very similar to osphos or children in the way that it decreases the osteoclast activity. So it decreases the, the activity of the cells that are breaking down your, your cartilage and your bones. So then your osteoblasts, even if they're not young anymore, can, can uh, you know, build up your bones. Also, we use a lot of polyglycan or uh, adequan and legend, right? And that is to help your joint fluid to stay soft and to protect your joints. So using these Western medicines, we're trying to spare our, our good 
cartilage and our, our good um, joint fluid. These herbs can help do that because it helps with uh, stopping the osteoclasts from breaking down your good, your, your young bones and joints. And then it can stimulate the stem cell activity, right? Your stem cells are like the blasts. That's your stem cells. So it activates your bone marrow and your immune system to help build up more collagen and more uh, bones. And also, interestingly, we have this in a lot of formulas for uh, older horses because we know with older horses and people, we have issues with um, Cushing's and regulating your blood sugar. So this herb also helps regulate your blood sugar so you don't have blood sugar spikes. So it's really great for arthritis, with horses that are hot. It's great for horses that uh, are cushionoid because um, in Chinese medicine, that's a, a heat issue, right? And also, so it helps regulate your blood sugar. This is also my number one formula for old, far, old dogs that have um, arthritis and hind end issues. Because a lot of dogs have either hip dysplasia or many dogs have lumbar pain, you know, and this can be really helpful for those old dogs. Very good. And where do they get it? And you can get it at drwendying.com. And it's D-I, separate word G-U, separate word P-I. That's what you search for. We'll put a link to it in our show notes as well. It can keep your old dogs and your old horses looking young again. If you're a regular listener to the show, you probably know that we did a segment a little while back. Matter of fact, it was on July the 2nd of 2020. We did a segment on driving llamas, and it got so much interest. And the lovely lady we had on, Vicki, said that they're going to be doing a meeting here in Florida. And uh, we, we had a lot of jokes about how many llamas would be there and all that. Um, and then she sent me an email reminding me, and we have Tracy Weaver on, who's part of the organizing team. So you're, you're now let me get this juxtaposition right. You're having a meeting about llamas in a place called Crystal River, which is known for manatees. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> it's called Plantation on Crystal River. And it is beautiful. Crystal River. If you haven't been there, uh, when you come to Florida next time, you got to go to Crystal River. It's absolutely beautiful. So tell us about the banquet. What happens? Are there llamas at an annual conference for the Southern States Llama Association? Yes, there will be llamas there. Um, we have several speakers. One, uh, in fact, is our keynote speaker, Marty McGee Bennett. And she is a world-renowned trainer. Uh, I call her the llama whisperer. She does wonderful things with showing participants how to train animals that may be having some problems leading, haltering, um, backing, grooming, when you give them shots. So she is very hands-on in that department and, and has wonderful stories to tell about them. Um, we have some other speakers that are going to Brenda Crum, who's going to talk about uh, camelid nutrition, llamas, alpacas, uh, nutrition. We have several ladies that are going to talk about the fiber and what we can do with the fiber uh, and have demonstrations about it. We have one lady that's going to say, well, why should we use our fiber? What's the purpose of doing it? 
And another one's going to dye fiber. Now, this is not on the llama or alpaca. They, we shear them um, you once shear a year them or like twice sheep, a year. Right? And, Isn't it kind of like sheep? Yes. Yeah. Well, very similar to sheep. We don't put them down on their behinds. We Llamas, we usually shear standing, although alpacas, they tend to lay them down. Um, another lady is going to do felting, and she's going to make garden gnomes. Uh, which is a process of, well, anyway, felting process. And uh, a couple of ladies are going to be spinning. Um, hopefully it's going to be llama or alpaca fiber that they're going to be spinning. And we have another lady that's going to use a continuous strand weaving on her loom. So we oh have a God, fun field this sounds day. so fun. Uh, it, it will be fun. We are really excited. We also have uh, six students that are going to teach the adults some areas of uh, body parts on the llamas or alpacas. They're going to instruct them on different feeds and reading a feed label and something about poisonous plants. So we have another uh, gentleman that's going to come and show us how to make lead ropes. So we are all super excited. <laughs> that's very cool. And, and uh, this is happening March 19th through the 21st, so you're in luck, too, because the manatees will still be here. They won't have left yet. Uh, and from yes. what I heard in Crystal River, it's a manatee year. There are tons of them there uh, right now. Oh, good. Yeah, so um, so it's plantation. Oh, because it's been so cold. I bet they all yeah. came from Texas. They all came. They, apparently, there's a lot of them there mm-hmm. right now. It's March 19th through the 21st at Plantation on Crystal River. Is this open to anybody, or do you have to be a llama owner? Well, um, we have a membership. Our our Southern States Llama Association has a membership. So members have to pay a fee to be able to get in there. Okay. But I'm sure if people wanted just to come and look, we're going to be outside on some of our activities. So they could probably come and watch and stand and, and listen for a few moments and then mosey through. We have some vendor areas where they can come and purchase uh, items from Llama Alpaca uh, products, um, so that might be something worthwhile. And then a, a, a area that we have raffle tickets, and so if they want to get their names in a raffle, I'm sure they can do that too. All right, very good. And what's the website again? SSLA.org. Thank you very much, Tracy. Appreciate it. Well, Kitty Cadwell is back again this year in 2021 for the Tremont training session. And we are going to spend 2021 talking about pairs and multiples. So welcome, Kitty. I'm so great to have you back on the show again. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Glenn. I'm glad to be back because we have a lot to talk about. I know. And I don't know if everybody knows this. Of course they know it, but you are like the queen. You and your sister are the queens of pairs and multiples, right? Uh, I do like to drive. I think pair is my favorite. Team is a thinking sport. I like it, but you know, the pairs, the horses just love. Yeah. And when you represented the U.S. in the pairs world championships, right? When you were just a little baby. Yeah, uh, I'll be, I'll admit it. I went to my first world championships in 1993. <laughs> and, and then Randy, of course, what year did Randy win her gold medal with the pony pairs? So she won the world championships in 2007 in, um, 
Dordelis in Denmark. It's hard to believe that. I mean, that seems like just yesterday. I know, right? Yeah. And it's, it's, she was the first uh, U.S. driver ever to win a marathon uh, mm-hmm. at a world championships. And I think there's only been one since. Oh, wow. Well, she is fast. I'll have you both know none of that she seems old to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Katie, uh, how? Okay, so we talked last year about getting our act together with going from riding to driving and doing singles. Now, what? Do, how do people move up to pairs? What's the next step? So I think... I think pairs is a very natural step. Horses are herd animals. They love being in a multiple. It makes mm-hmm. them happy. It, you know, they feed off of each other in a, in a very positive way. So mm-hmm. it just depends. I don't, you don't have to have matching colors. You don't have to have anything but the type of horse being the same. You know, the mm-hmm. same movement, the same head carriage makes it. But you can drive a white one and a black one. You can drive mm-hmm. any colors together just to get the feel of the pair. Mm-hmm. And um, so, like, say I have a single and I decide, you know what, I want to do pairs. How do you go about finding, like, a, a pair? Like, you said it could be any color, but what do you mean, like, besides head carriage, like, uh, could they be any breed or they, is the temperament important or like, how do you go about it? So I think first thing I would do is find a friend who has driven a pair because mm-hmm. you're going to need different equipment, which is, it, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a little bit more equipment. Okay. Yeah. And you have to start learning to l- drive with a pole instead of the two shafts. But first you have a single you love and you love this horse. You have to go out and you have to find or put feelers out for your unicorn, for your horse that moves pretty much the same, that carries the head the same, that's about the same length as your horse. And Mm -hmm. and most important, you said it, was the brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you don't want to like a crazy one slapped onto your nice one. No, you'll ruin your nice one. (laughs) We don't want and, to do uh, that. So, <laughs> so we need to find our two unicorns, like Duke yeah. and Dante, right? Yeah. yeah. We're perfectly matched, but their types were identical. Mm-hmm. Their heads were the same. Their necks were the same. So we're going to start with that, and then we can start to getting into getting the right equipment. And But you can long line them just like you can long line a single mm-hmm. just to get started. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things people question uh, when they start doing pairs, and I think this your your uh, advice of fin- finding a friend that drives pairs is really important, because I think people don't know what to do with the reins. Is there? Can you give us some tips about with the reins and and how we do pair reins? So the reins is probably a whole show in itself, but we'll give a quick right. synopsis now. <laughs> So there is a direct rein and an indirect rein on a pair. So mm-hmm. both your right reins will go to the right side of your right horse and the right side of your left horse. Like a Y. The There's a the place where it Ys right, up. So yes, your center reins will cross. Mm-hmm. And there, 
there are holes on the reins which let the reins in and out. And what that do, what that does is make the horse closer to the pole or further from the pole. It is not a way to go the back and forth. Mm-hmm. So what you want to do is find a neutral on your reins where you have maybe five inch difference in those reins, whatever's comfortable for your horse, but a neutral zone around that five or six inch range mm-hmm. so that your horse has enough room for its head and doesn't have its head pulled to the inside. Mm-hmm. If it's pulled to the inside, then your coupling rein, the the one that that goes to the opposite side horse, is too short, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. And if I it's too long, like no. And if it's too long, then when you their heads like can go can go out to the outside. But you have less control when you're pulling on your reins to stop and turn and steer, right? Right. But when you start out, you always you just want to find that neutral because I will always tell everybody, when you start driving the pair, the best thing you can do is just go down the road. Just go mm-hmm. straight down the road and get a feel for it. Don't yeah. try to drive a pair the first time in a dressage frame or in cones. Just right. go out and get a feel because it's a different dynamic to have the two horses together as opposed to one. Yeah. I think sometimes I feel like when I started driving pair, I felt like I was driving a boat because, you know, like cars can turn fast, but with a boat, you have to like plan ahead. You get to like make your turn and then we turn and then you get to, you know, it's a lot slower. I feel like when you first start driving pairs. Yeah, it's like the sports car versus the family truckster. Right. Maybe. But when you get good, you can go like so fast. You can go much faster than a single. You can. But on the pair, the pair is the easiest one to shut down the horses, the inside horse. So if you were driving a pair and you pulled really hard on that inside rein, you thought, oh, I have to turn really hard. And you turn really hard and pull on that inside rein. You pull the inside horse back to you, and then the wheels don't go forward, and you lose all your momentum. So there's a real key in the pair to keeping those horses moving forward through the turn. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, because I think, too, when you start driving pair, you need to make sure, like you said, your inside horse is pulling in his traces when you go around a turn. Yes, it's the dynamics of the pair carriage. They need to keep the that wheel moving forward. But you need to get used to it because the first time you drive a pair, you're going to say, wow, that, that's that's a lot of horsepower. And you right. go be going half the speed you're going with a single. It just that's feels true. like so much more momentum. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and and um, then we're going to add another horse on and another horse on and another horse on. So, yeah. <laughs> And as far as harness goes, like I know you and I both really love our Zilco harness. And uh, one of the reasons I love it is because it's so, you know, you can do singles, pairs, whatever. You just need a couple extra pieces. So do you have any uh, like tips about harness, harnessing? Like, uh, do you need to buy a whole new pair harness or should you just like add on? I think you can just add on. It's just fine. You would take your shaft holders off 
and then mm-hmm. buckle it down straight through. But like you said, the Zoco, and actually I think most harnesses now have a conversion. So mm-hmm. you can use the two single harnesses to make a pair harness. You would just, the one thing you would need different is reins. Right. You need reins. And then yes. what, and you need pole straps, right? Yes. Pole straps. So, um, and can you just quickly, very quickly talk about the pole straps? Like how do we, what so do we want to adjustment there? So you want the pole to sit comfortably in front of the horses. So when you're standing in the barn, you don't want it pulling them forward, pulling them backwards, or pulling the collar, the breastplate or collar to the inside. So it should mm-hmm. basically just sit comfortably in front of your horses so they have the freedom to move and use themselves. Okay. And oh, with Wendy, the single- we have so much to cover. I know, just this very quickly. I know I keep trying to squeeze more things in, but this feels like the basis of pairs. The difference between a yes. uh, single carriage, you need the horses use a britching to stop the carriage, but I've seen people drive pairs without britching. So how do they stop the carriage? Okay, I admit I do not drive my pairs. I do not have britching on. So you can use britching or you cannot yeah. use britching, but you use the false martingale that goes from the breastplate to the girth. And so mm-hmm. when the carriage rolls forward, the breastplate won't be pull off their chest. And that acts as a brake also. But I do always have carriages with brakes on them, which R- nowadays right. most carriages do, especially pair carriages. Right. And so that's why the pull strap is important because when you, when, if, if you don't say, I mean, of course we're going to use brakes. We use our brakes a lot more when we're driving pair, but for the horses to be able to hold the carriage back, the pole strap engages. And like you said, the breast collar and the false martingale all have to be adjusted. Like as, uh, it's as important as your britching with the single. Right. Because if we have it too short, the horse is in draft pulling all the time and never gets a chance mm-hmm. to relax. And if it's yeah. too long, the carriage will roll up on them and hit them. And that is not pleasant. That's bad. That's, that's <laughs> bad. Okay, Katie. Well, thank you so much. Those are some great tips to get us uh, thinking about driving pairs. And I look forward to more of these, uh, our next session in the series. Yeah, we have a lot to cover. Well, that's it for today's driving show. We do the driving show the first Thursday of every month. We have lots of driving shows. If you missed it, you can binge on them. Just go to drivingradioshow.com. You'll find all the past episodes that we have done since day one, probably about 10 years ago. And uh, you can listen. We've talked about driving chickens and dogs and horses and ponies and draft horses. We've talked about driving everything that can be driven. Llamas, of course. Uh, we talked about that a little bit today. But yeah, we've, we've talked about a lot of different things and shared about a thousand Chinese medicine segments over the time. So, Wendy, where can people find you again? You can find me at drwendying.com. And if I am not having writer's block, there might be a new blog post up. <laughs> <laughs> she's better at talking than writing human. she's like me <laughs> <laughs> i know uh, I, and this is like uh, how did you ever um, get through doctor school time. and uh this masters is gardening time in florida 
<laughs> the Masters almost killed me. Yeah, it did. I I was around when Remember she was that? doing the Masters. It wasn't good. That, oh, my I had to write this thing. My dissertation was 50 pages. You know, if it hadn't been for that excellent significant other of yours who is a master chef, you would have never gotten through that I would have died. I would have... I would die. Please tell Kyle that I'm, I am I am so jealous. I'm jealous of you, actually, <laughs> because you get to eat his food. He's posting, and he cooks like oh that every freaking day. He's posting all these gourmet meats he's roasted and smoked over 24 hours. And oh, my God. Oh, you should see it. You should see. He is like, and he... He has all these cookbooks, and he tries all these new recipes. Is he trying to fatten you up? What's he trying to do here? I guess so. (laughs) I'd be 300 pounds if I lived with you. Well, good thing I like to garden a lot. (laughs) Good thing. (laughs) It is amazing. Now, um, the other thing I have a bone to pick with you while we're on the air, because then you can't get out of it. Okay. He posted pictures of the garage area. You have this great big garage in the back, and he you apparently got it all painted and you know yeah. got the porch all done and everything. But apparently, Jennifer and I's apartment's not built yet in the top of the garage, <laughs> oh, as, yeah. bar- as was promised when you first moved in and we came down. You promised well, that we would eventually retire in the apartment above your garage, and uh, I he is reneging on that. And also, as part of that rent, I would like dinner. Uh, rights and privileges because well you, now you're gonna have the camper you can plug it in the driveway and come in for dinner okay so is there an hoa fee for the dinner rights uh is there like what what did disney have they had a dining plan is there a dining plan i have to pay for every month for the dining plan yeah. no there's no dining plan <laughs> you're a lucky girl you know that right i know dr kyle's the best <laughs> and he has a job too you're really lucky i know well, he's my little tiger. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> I'm going to send him a striped outfit. <laughs> you can find the links to today's show notes at horsesinthemorning.com or right there on your player. Just scroll to the left or right. Most players have the links right there. Uh, and we have a lot of other shows we do on the Horse Radio Network. You can find them all on our app. Just search for Horse Radio Network in the iOS or Android app store. We have like 20 shows now. So you want to go check them out. The easiest way to see all of our shows is go to horseradionetwork.com. Scroll down to the middle of the page, and you'll see all the shows listed by category. So we have a lot of them that you can try. You never have to leave Horse Radio Network for your horsey podcasting pleasure. That's it for today. Thank you, Wendy. All right. Keep the shiny side up. Cut. Now, normally we do a little bit of a post-show, Jamie and I do, for the auditors. So, uh, yeah, so, and we're allowed to talk about anything and even swear in the post show. Uh, it's oh. we're not allowed to swear in the regular show. No, no, you're not supposed to oh. swear in the regular show, but you can. So what are you up to? Are you still doing the doggies on weekend? This is for the auditors, by the way. So oh, yeah, yeah I'm still loving recording. doing the doggies on the weekend. Tell everybody what you do on the weekend. They may not know that. Okay. It's so fun. I work for this company. I work for two companies, actually. It's like VIP Pet Care and uh, Vetco. And they pay me to go to the pet store and just cuddle puppies and kitties all day. It's so you fun. You do the traveling shot thing that you, we always see. Yeah, but the bring... techs do all the work. The techs do almost everything. They, I just, you know, I have to be there. I, I give didn't even the know there was a vet there. We've had that done. We used to get it done with Glory when they came to the local tax shop, and I didn't even know there was a vet there. That's because the vet's usually like sitting playing solitaire somewhere. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, it's really fun because as a 
that, you know, you see a lot of sad things, you know. I mean, you see a lot of great things, but there's ups and downs, right? You see a lot of sick animals. You see sad things, you put animals down, and then you also have to be on call 24 hours a day. Right. Yeah. But this job, the reason why I love this job so much is everything that comes in there is healthy. And if they're not healthy, I send them to, you know, their regular vet to go, like, send them and force them to go in for a workup. Because they're just coming in for shots, so they have to be healthy. If they're not healthy... And they're usually shopping while they're there, so they're happy, right? And you know what? It's usually at the... I go to the tractor supply a lot. So who doesn't love to go to tractor supply? Like, (laughs) I get paid to go to the tractor supply. (laughs) Dude, this costs you more money than you make by doing this. Sometimes. But, (laughs) like, last week, I was at our... We have a new tractor supply down here. So, you know, even though they're all the same, it's somehow more fun when there's a new tractor supply. So we go down to the new tractor supply, and these people brought in baby goats. So not only did I get to cuddle baby puppies, I got to cuddle baby goats. (laughs) And one time someone brought in a pony, a mini, to Um, the tractor supply. (laughs) Really? It's fun. And people are bringing all their COVID puppies in. Like, tons of people got COVID puppies. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, like we did, huh? Oh, yeah. Ours has cost us about $1,000 in vet bills at this point. Uh, Oh, really? Like what? She keeps getting into things, and she's just a nightmare. She just, she's a, you know, she's an 18-month-old, six-month-old puppy. Yeah. When we got her, she was 18 months, but she had just been off the track. She never raced, so she was really at the farm. So she had really oh, yeah. never left the farm. She went for less than a week to the foster home before we brought her home. So she had no life experience, and she really was a puppy, you know. Um, so we were going through all the things we never wanted to do, which was why we were getting an adult dog. <laughs> so we oh, wouldn't have yeah. to do puppy stuff. But she's better. I was ready to ship her back last month. She was. She well, was, let me tell you something about this puppy. This is like to- – I see this all the time because as a horse person, like these people bring these dogs into me, right? And they can't even walk on a leash. Mm. And I'm like, any horse person, but all the horse people's dogs can usually walk on a leash, even if they're farm dogs. Because people are like, would you walk like a normal, yeah. you know, horse? Yeah, we saying, do that with her. She has to be on the same side and stay yeah. on that side and the whole thing. Yeah. And I just like, you know, horse people would never let their horse just like walk around and be a total idiot. But dog people, I think it's because they're dogs. So they're little, you know, the littler they are, the worse they are. Um, they just let them get away with murder. Oh, and so- I get, sometimes I get frustrated and then people are like, well, you work on horses. Aren't you used to this? I'm like, no, because no horse person would let their dog <laughs> act like that. I mean, let their horse act like that. So let me ask you where, where this is for just for the auditors. So we're in the private part of the show now, um, which is the biggest pain in the aspirate that comes into the, to the pet store to be, uh, to get their shots. Oh, I totally racial racially profile all the dogs but i mean (laughs) they totally fit the mold chihuahuas are the worst okay so by the way let me do a disclaimer here uh if you are upset with what wendy says in this next portion please email jennifer at (laughs) horseradionetwork.com with your complaints (laughs) okay it's no secret that chihuahuas are the worst and you know why they're bad because when they bite you their owners laugh and think it's so cute so of course they're going to be bad so chihuahuas are bad, and then the next one, corgis are super cute, okay? They're adorable, cute, but they cry, like, from anything. I oh, use really? tiny, like, I could acupuncture with the size of the needles I'm giving them the shots with, right? And it's under the skin. It doesn't hurt at all. 
and the corgis, a hundred percent of corgis, will scream and cry. Yeah, like I, like as if I'm cutting their nails too short. And we don't even do nails. This is just like they have to get one little shot, and then who else is bad? Um, you know who's the, actually the best? Yeah, who's the best? So let's most talk about the, the good pit, breeds. Yeah, most of the pit bulls are the best. Really? Because because the owners know that they can't have this pit oh, bull like good, acting yeah. wild because it's like a loaded gun and they'll get yeah. kicked out of their place. So usually the pit bulls <laughs> are good. Which ones are the like laziest? Uh, just you know, most ho hum group. Uh, you know what I love? I love when the uh, basset hounds come in. Oh yeah, J- Jamie has the one. basset hounds cross. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> they're hard to get blood out of. You know, because I have to t- take blood out to get. Heartworm test, or is their skin thicker? Yeah. So, like, imagine, like, if it, if you've had blood taken, right? Yeah. With humans, <laughs> your your vein doesn't like flop around; it's like stuck in there. But just imagine this basset hound, oh, this floppy skin, <laughs> and it has a short little leg, and I have to somehow, like, on the floor of the tractor supply, get like blood out of this ramen noodle, this basset hound <laughs> drooling all over me. <laughs> So that that's a difficult, but I'm okay with it now. I'm good at it now. But it, when I first started, like, oh my god, I was like, you, this is not happening. Do you ever see any greyhounds? Oh yeah, I see a lot of greyhounds. You know what's interesting, and I didn't know this until I started this job, but greyhounds can't sit down. And that is like, true. Except yeah. I am proud to announce that Jennifer has taught our greyhound to sit, and now she sits all the freaking time. Really? Why can't they sit down? They just aren't built. They're by their back ends are built. It's, it must hurt. Yeah, it's just not comfortable. But this dog will sit down for a treat for an hour. I mean, it's, and okay. we have never had a greyhound. This is our fourth. We have never had a greyhound that would sit at all. They just aren't really built for it. But this well, dog I hope you're sits. not hurting her back. They, <laughs> if just, it does, I'll send you some DGP. <laughs> she just sits <laughs> like crazy. And she, you know, she's starting to get more fun now. I, you know, I was joking That's about good. shipping her back. But I mean, both yeah. of us were ready to ship her back after the second vet bill last week or a couple weeks ago. But yeah. she's starting to get better. She loves going in the camper now. Um, oh, good. And she's getting they better. Are, they are super. Well, I, when I get greyhounds in. Oh, they'll let you do oh, anything oh, to them. They'll let me do anything. Oh. And show dogs. Any show dog. I get a lot of show dogs in where the breeders do their own vaccines. Oh, yeah. And then I just have to do their rabies. They stand there and let me do anything. Well, and the, you like, know that's unfortunately why so many greyhounds ended up in research. Because yeah. you can do anything you want to them. And, you know, they just, they won't that's bite true. you. They won't, you know, they're just docile. Yeah, uh, and they are yeah. a docile group. There's no question about that. They're hard to get right now, greyhounds. Um, they are. Yeah, because racing's over in Florida. All the dogs got adopted up. In oh, another two good. or three years, when racing's over in the entire country, you won't be able to find a greyhound. They'll only that's be the purebreds. People aren't breeding them. No, they'll right? only be the purebreds, and they're a completely different gre- dog than the racing greyhounds. Mentality. Are they- are they ones. neurotic, the purebreds? They're just more like other, you know, they're not as quiet and mellow and, you know, just as the racing ones are. Um, they're bred different. You know, they're bred like a different breed, actually. Yeah. Um, so it's sad. I mean, this will probably be the last greyhound we ever have uh, because they just won't be, there won't be greyhound racing anymore. And You're you going to have what? to get a golden doodle. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer want, we always wanted a full uh, full size poodle, not the little one, uh, but the oh, full yeah, size like poodle. Uh, what's their temperament like? They're the best. Are really the full size poodles? I would love a standard poodle, poodle yeah. too. Yeah, uh, standard poodle. That's so what they're good. called. Yeah. And they're not. They're very confident. 
Like, I don't really like... Do they have to have the weird haircut, them. or can they just have a normal haircut? Well, you, the weird haircut is what makes them so cool. <laughs> but they um, they don't shed, you know, so that's good. And they're really smart, and they're really composed. Yeah, they look like they're aloof almost. Yeah, and that's good. I yeah. mean, in, in a lot of ways. But they love you, and they're happy. Like, my neighbor has one, and he is the best dog. He loves us. He, like, you know, he sees me walking down the street with Tiki, and he wants to play, and he's real happy, and he's just, like, he doesn't have a care in the world. They're great. And he's so well-behaved. Jen, we looked to get one when we were going to get uh, the Greyhound when we when we got Pickles, but uh, they, she didn't really want to spend three to five thousand dollars on a dog. I know. And then you almost you know have to get a puppy. Uh, you, know. you have to get a puppy. But yeah. you know what I saw um, last week, which is my new favorite designer breed. It was a Corgi Mini Australian Shepherd cross. Corgi Mini so Australian Shepherd. Wow. Yeah, like I think that is going to be the new Jack Russell of the horse show world. I mean, that would be like the perfect horse show dog, and it's so cute. Well, we have to end this. Auditors, thank you so much for hanging <laughs> around. We appreciate you hanging around while we talk dogs tomorrow on the show. We're going to have Jamie back, and we'll do some really bad ads. So get your ads in today to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. Thank you, Dr. Wendy. One of these days, you know, it's been over a year since we've seen each other, and that's the longest since we've known each other. Because we usually oh, come because down. Oh, we didn't a couple do times. radiothon. Yeah, and we didn't come down. We always come down a couple times a year. But hopefully, after vaccines, I'll be down to see you. We'll Did you down. get your vaccine yet? No, I. We're, we're too young. It's one time being too young does not pay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seven years too young, so oh. I think we'll probably be April or May to ours. Uh, yeah. But we'll get it, and then we'll be down. We'll take the camper and coming down. All right. Sounds good. All right. Tell them to tell them not to use up all the good. Good uh, <laughs> smoking recipes, or to practice some more. I'm ready. I want some. Okay, do you want brisket or ribs first? Yes. Oh, you know, you know what? You know what? Yes, I he do. He makes these things. They're <laughs> called like Brontosaurus ribs. I saw the picture they're, of those. They were like 12 feet long. <laughs> they're the best. It's like a giant beef rib. They're so good. They have them at Disney. They yes. Have, those are the ribs they have at Disney. Oh, okay. And he used the Disney recipe. Oh, he has to make those. Tell him I'm reserving okay. those. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Wendy. All right. Bye.